Hello and welcome to the Kim's Got Podcast from Enroll. Uh, for those of you who don't know what Kim's Got is a recruitment training business and um, co-founded by myself, Ed Khan, and Laura Hopes. Each week we're going to be giving you 10-minute snippets into our world of recruitment, tips and tricks to help you on your journey as an agency recruiter and hopefully some laughs along the way too. Hope you guys enjoy. Okay, cheers guys. Cheers. This explains... uh, My current state of affairs. (laughs) That is cruel. It's Friday afternoon. I'm drinking a peppermint tea. You know, my body is a temple with my little baby. Oh, I thought you weren't going to mention the baby. (laughs) There's a reason she's not drinking champagne with me. Otherwise, I'd be on that. And also, it's funny because you poured the champagne and then we realised what episode we're doing and it looks a bit like we're being that <laughs> because yes. this episode is traits of a million dollar biller and that can look more smug and yeah champagne isn't one of them that's not what we're talking about <laughs> well it's one of Although... the <laughs> outcomes of a million dollar biller i guess is being able to drink whatever yeah. champagne you want i feel like it's such a hot topic because everyone not everyone because everyone's got different goals but a lot of recruiters that i know Lord up this yeah. million dollar bill. Yeah. I want to be a million dollar bill. That's usually one of the goals that they set themselves. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. today's episode, I mean, in 30 collective years, we've met a lot of million dollar billers. I've managed quite a few of yeah. them. You would have managed quite I a few like of I've them. I feel like I've met more in the last three years. Yeah. As technology advances mm-hmm. and Yeah, and you can streamline, yeah. You know, created, I think. Um, but yeah, we thought we'd do this episode on the traits of, like, what are the actual fundamental yeah. traits? Because we're, we are often asked, like, how do I get to that coveted status? Like, how, yeah. how do I get from billing 700k a year to a million dollars a year? And a lot of it is process management, mm-hmm. like, a lot of it is creating efficiencies. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the softest, I think that's what we want to focus the channel I think that's the thing. Yeah. And that hasn't changed in my 13 years of recruitment experience or the actual traits. Yeah. They've remained the same. Like, mm-hmm. technology comes and it improves your process and streamlines it, and that's great. But there's so many other fundamental skills, traits, not skills, rather, sorry, traits of that high performing doesn't even need to be a million dollar biller. You could be striving to be a $700,000 biller when you're a 300k biller at the moment. It's the same sort of things that you'll need to be focusing on. Yeah. The first for me is that level of consistency. Mm. Like I have never, and and you know what? People can bill a million dollars in a year. Unfortunately, by being transactional, they can, Mm. but to maintain that level and that status of billing, you have to have a really consistent approach to managing and nurturing your clients, to looking after your candidate pools and to the effort and energy that you put in every single day. Like you can't really go, I'm, you know, I'm not very motivated this Mm. month and that's okay. Like there does have to be this continual focus on like how do I make sure that I'm maintaining my activity knowing that that is going to lead to the outcomes in three months yeah 100% and this may be counterproductive saying this but I personally have never got into a million dollar of billings just me on my own 
And the reason is, and one of the things that you can't do as a million dollar biller, in my opinion, is get bored of doing repetitive tasks. fundamental basics. Every single million dollar biller that I know does the same thing again and again. A large portion of what they do, they do the same thing again and again. And they're fine with doing that. And it... Mm -hmm. For me, I think it's just how I'm hardwired. I want to try new things and I get bored quite easily. Yeah, well, million dollar billers, they have to nurture that same Mm. patch because you have to be able to get your accounts to a certain level and be continually adding to that. Mm. And, you know, it used to be, I think, it, you know, it was a lot easier to become a million dollar biller in recruiting in industries where you had a higher fee value. Mm. But, like, I'm now seeing million-dollar billers in, like, business support recruitment, like, consistently. And it is the ones that have been on their desk for a long period of time. And they continually put in that hard graph. And they've just increased every month, every year, so consistently to get to that point. And they do the same thing. They recruit in the same sector. They usually stay in the same geographical location. So over a number of years... Over time, people just get to know them because they're there all the time. They're consistent. I mean, Joan Collins, my old boss, had been doing the same desk in the same location for 14 years. She was their highest performer year in, year out, and still is. And one of the things I asked her when I started, I said, why are you so successful of this team of 2,500 recruiters? How do, how do you do it? She's like, everyone else just moves desks willy-nilly they move companies willy-nilly they get a higher base and so they move she's like i've been recruiting in wimbledon in this seat for 12 years she's like it's literally it's not rocket science she's like you stay doing what you're doing and over time people just get to know you naturally because you've been doing it for that long you're owning your craft aren't you Mm. just over time refining 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 and i think a trait that we see in you know, some of the million dollar billers that that we've seen and that we've worked with is that level of humility to be Mm. able to go, I take everything as a learning exercise. Mm. Like, how can I improve? How can I get better? I'll take that feedback back on board. Like, I care about that feedback. Like, I think if you have a sense of ego Mm. in a customer-driven role, it's very, very hard for you to continually improve. And we all say that we want constructive feedback. Mm. But actually receiving constructive feedback... Like, I ask for it all the time, yeah. and it's still, you know, there is an, you have to really swallow, you know, a, a big part of, you know, your ego is designed to protect you, and no one wants to feel like they've done a bad job, and no one wants imposter syndrome to, but you, like, you do have to push down a lot yeah. of that stuff to be able to really take constructive feedback, say thank you for it, and then work with it. Yeah. And, and that is that learning piece, isn't it? Yeah. Because you would ask for feedback because you want to learn based on what the other person is going to give you feedback on and so you improve. And it has to be someone that does not stop wanting to learn. Yeah. And a good example of this, actually a very good recent example, I had a million dollar biller today, funnily enough, email me that message mm-hmm. going, I bill a million dollars, would love to catch up with you as for a coffee because I actually want to know what I what else I should be learning. I want to get to $3 million in billings. I'm like, Great. That's exactly why you're a million dollar biller because you've asked for this sort of help and learning and development continuously throughout your career. Mm-hmm. No doubt that's one of the reasons why you're a million dollar biller and you still want to learn and you've got humility enough to go, I don't know everything. Yeah. What else do I need to know to improve on what I already Yeah, there was such a level of humility to that message. Mm. It was just like, 
I feel very lucky to be in the position I'm in, but I know that I'm not, mm. you know, I'm on a continual journey. Mm. And I think then with that is your bounce back ability because Ooh, yeah. this job, like it, it's really hard. And I think, you know, how do you pick yourself up each day and go, I'm going to throw everything I've got at it again mm. and again and again yeah. and again. And not take it personally yeah. and just go, cool, that was shit. I yeah. can't believe that candidate lied to me, the client lied to me, was about to make 50000 from that fee. That's fucking shit. Okay, get on with it. Yeah, you can't get jaded. No. And it's those that do that, not mope, mope's the wrong word, but really take that in and let that negativity take over and then it impacts the rest of their week, the rest of the month, the rest of the quarter. It's those people that I never see actually feeling any significant amounts. Yeah. Because they let that negativity... Rain. Actually, yeah, take over. Yeah. Whereas the million dollar bill of guys, that was shit. What can I learn from that? What will I not do again in that situation? Is there anything to learn? If not, cool, let's move on. Mm. I think something that had always prevented me like in the past with this type of stuff as well is burnout. Mm. And I think if you, um, if you do treat this job as life or death, which I have the tendency to do in my career, like I, I, you know, I can work in a way which is very, very intense, but what me, what happens then Mm. is then I burn out and then I'm like, and then I kind of need a breather or a reset or whatever. And then I'll, and then I'll build up to working that way again. And I think, you know, it does come down to that consistency piece, but I think it does come down to being able to step outside of yourself and being like, am I taking myself to a path to burnout? Because if you, mm. again, want to be consistent, you need that level of balance and well-being that you need yeah. to go, do I need to work till eight o'clock tonight or can I actually step away yeah. so that I, when I do need to do it, I'm fresh to do it. Like, 100%. I think having really strong boundaries. I was just going to say, but you're very good at that. Now. I think you're so good at that. Now I am. And it is, that's... The boundaries piece is such yeah. a common thread. I mean, I think of Andy, who was consistent biller that used to work for me. Very, very clear boundaries. You knew you could not call him past 5.30. That was, that was his boundary. So mm. I'll, I'll work incredibly hard, but 5.30 on weekends, absolutely not. He yeah. was very clear on that, and he would never do anything outside of those hours. But within the time allotted, he would go hard. Yeah. Because I think if you don't have that, then you will take yourself to a point where you're like, I can't do this anymore. Which is what I've done so many times in my career. Like, worked myself to the bone to the point where it's like, oh my God, maybe it's the job's problem. Mm. Where it's actually what I've learned <laughs> yeah. over the years is that it's always been my problem. Yeah. Well, not always, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's been my problem with how I manage the intensity mm. as opposed to the intensity mm. itself. Yeah, the other thing I was just thinking of, and mm. I was thinking of a few people that I've worked with, another common trait is not getting sucked in with negative talk around the office or office mm. politics. Mm-hmm. They typically do not get involved. Well, I think culture changes so significantly in a recruitment agency like every two years, right? Because mm. there is turnover. We know that you know people don't stay in a recruitment role or in an agency you know, the, the turnover is quite regular. Mm. And so I think if you are a million dollar biller and you are spending, you know, a long time in an agency, you do have to be able to adapt to the change of that. And if you get too involved in a certain clique and you get caught up in the flavor of mm. that six months, 
then you're constantly going to feel like the rug's pulled out from under you. And there does need to be like, not an aloofness at all, but there does need to be an ability to be invested in the company's values and mission and the people but not so invested that, you know... That one of it the defines, blaming is going to knock you. <laughs> because the culture does shoot. And we all know, like, recruitment agents, especially through COVID, like, if you're if you're so attached to how it looks at that given time and yeah. you're not able to be connected to the agency that you're in on a higher level mm. and you do, like, get yourself involved in a click mm. and that's the flavour of this six months and, you know, you've had a load of new starters and everyone's... And you get so invested in that mm. and then naturally over the course of two years people leave and leave the industry or whatever you're going to constantly feel like is that adaptability i think it's adaptability isn't it it's being Mm -hmm. able to go okay the situation has changed in whatever shape or form clients have changed my sector's changed candidate behaviors have changed covid's happened you need to be able to go okay where's the opportunity what else can i do and adapt to this new change situation rather than going oh, woe is me, the situation's changed, this is awful, that my biggest client has left, it's being able to see those situations and go, Mm. cool, I'm going to adapt and pivot. Yeah. Which out of those is your most, do you think is the most important? Um, Consistency, Mm. I think, just doing. I mean, a good example is HumeScope. When we first opened HumeScope, we were working on it half a day a week. We were doing really well. But it's only over a compounded period of time of yeah. doing the same thing again and again, doing webinars every month. Mm-hmm. But it, we didn't see huge amounts of success in the first three months. I mean, we sold quite a lot of courses, but it wasn't huge amounts of success. And over, I'd say, a year later, after doing all of these exact same things again and again and again and again and adding value, that was our whole mission is add value, add value, add value. Those things compound over time. And then you see the success. But I think most people won't get to the success because they go, I've done three webinars, I haven't made money, I can't even try something else, this doesn't work. There's no consistency there. Yeah. And I yeah. think that probably is the most important one for me across any role, not just recruitment. It's the consistency to do things and stay within your conviction to do them mm. and mm-hmm. trust that it will work. I think mine is the humility because I think I see a lot of recruiters who well not a lot but I do experience recruiters who are like I want to get to this point but I don't want to have to change anything Mm. yeah (laughs) it's kind of like well this is the way I do it and I think it works but then in the next breath the question is but how do I build more money Mm. and so I think it's that humility to be able to ask for help and not make assumptions that you have learnt enough yeah that's a good one like, what else could I possibly have to learn from this person or this mm. person or this person? Like, you could, we learn stuff from our rookies. Yeah. Like, they bring stuff up in the course. They're like, and you could do it like this. And we're like, I can't, I've never yeah. thought about doing that. And we always like, say to everyone in our courses that we don't know everything. Yeah. Like, so if you're going to share something, we don't know it. We will tell you we don't know it. And yeah. we'll ask you to share more so we can learn. So I think, you know, there's never a point in your recruitment mm. career where you can't be learning. Yeah. Would love to hear everyone's yeah. thoughts. Drop a note to, if you're watching this on YouTube, in the comments, on LinkedIn, in the comments. Or it's very salesy of you. When do you do this pitch is. at the end? But I thought it was quite a good one because we've only covered like four or five Yeah, things. no, I'd love to hear, yes, I would. I'd love to hear what other people, <laughs> fuck everyone. No, I'd love to hear what other people's opinions are.
on what, yeah, yeah. what other tracks. <laughs> Thanks so much for watching, Dave. Thanks, guys. <laughs>